You've tuned in to a very special episode of the Roundtable Podcast, Wandering Around in Confusion 2013, Part 1 of 2. Hello, literary alchemists. I'm Dave Robison. Thank you for tuning in and joining us for a special edition of the Roundtable Podcast. Uh, the Roundtable Podcast goes to confusion, or rather, confusion 2013. Uh, and for this episode, we thought it especially appropriate that we bring in the wandering alchemist who went out and brought in these golden snippets of wisdom from these from these roving artists and creators and authors up there at Confusion. So, dear friends, please join me in welcoming to the Skype line and to the comfy co-host chair here at the roundtable, Master Ben Delano. Ben, dude, it's been a while since we've had you on the show man yeah i know i know it's been uh what i think august uh when i was on with uh andrew uh andrew, andrew Maine. Maine, that's right absolutely and then i got to you were kind enough to return a favorite i got to hang out with you and your mom over at reader writer just recently that was very cool oh yeah we had a total blast with that that was that was good times and then <laughs> and then you went out for us once again because you had you had gone out was it Worldcon initially right Worldcon and uh, for um, Fan Expo Canada. Oh right, yes, exactly. Fan yep. Expo, the the Comic Con, which was very cool. In fact, we just had um, uh, Connor. Uh, yeah, Connor McCreary and Anthony Del Call on. They were yes, fabulous. Oh yeah, uh, very cool, very cool stuff. So, and then you went out again just recently. You went out to Confusion. You scored us even more literary gold, and so. I, I wanted to kind of have you here because you were looking these people in the eye uh, <laughs> while, while you were talking to them. And uh, I, I thought it'd be very cool to get your perspective on this as well. So, so we're just going to roll through these, play them back and, and see what, uh, see what the goodness is that we can tease from it. All right. All right, let's do it. Cool. And do you remember what the, what the question was? Uh, the question that I brought to our authors at confusion was uh, what is your ideal antagonist? Ah, very cool. That's right. Oh, yes, because we were going to do the flip side. We had done the protagonist yes. before. Now we're doing the antagonist. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's go ahead and lead off this 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 exploration of of badness of well, not, maybe <laughs> not badness, but certainly antagonisticness uh, with uh, with Saladin Ahmed, author of Throne of the Crescent Moon. Uh, he he definitely threw us a, a a very cool curve with the protagonist question. I'm curious to see what he says for the antagonist question. Here we go. All right. I'd say my ideal antagonist. Uh, I'm a little out of fashion in that uh, I like genuinely evil villains, and uh, my villains tend to be not terribly morally complex and just people who are doing horrible things that you want to stop. That's just me. I like to read all sorts of kinds, but that's the kind that I write. Wow. <laughs> and once again, Saudi Ahmed going against type and saying, no, I want somebody who's really, really, really evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's certainly, uh, I like to see those kinds of villains myself as well, um, depending on the story. As long as, I think as long as your antagonist has a lot of meat behind him, then the protagonist can just be kind of a, a your empty, power-hungry villain. 
Okay, yeah, but reverse that, right? As long as your protagonist has the meat. Or, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. See, you, I, I think it's, yeah, we're going to be doing this the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you're but you're right. But you're right. And uh, but as we've as we will discover, I'm sure as we explore through this list, uh, uh, that uh, uh, the protagonist, the antagonist, they kind of need to be linked, don't they? Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Next up, we got Peter V. Brett. Now, this guy wrote uh, The Warded Man, Desert Spear, Daylight War, um, really kind of taken the world by storm. Uh, I'll be curious to see what he says to say about the ideal antagonist. Let's check this out. All right. Uh, I think the ideal antagonist is somebody who, from their perspective, is doing the right thing and uh, considers themselves a hero, but due to conflicting worldviews, uh, comes into conflict with other characters. I think that's a lot more realistic than most of your cookie-cutter villains who are just evil for the sake of being evil. I like villains who are real, in-depth people who have their own wants and needs and desires that just come into conflict with uh, other characters. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I can kind totally of the flip that. side of what uh, Saladin has said, though. Yeah, very much so. And and, and very consistent, I think, with, with a lot of... Uh, uh, writers' perspectives, and 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 I think readers mm-hmm. as well. I mean, you know, depending on the 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 bold strokes of the story that you're telling, uh, uh, a, an authentic villain, uh, a villain who who is claiming as much importance and relevance in the story as the protagonist, uh, uh, is certainly more appealing to me as a reader mm-hmm. uh, than than necessarily as as. Peter's talking about the, the cookie cutter. Um, what about you? Um, you know, when, when you have that dichotomy in there and it has to, it definitely has to be enveloped in both the, the character and the, what's driving them. So if there's, you know, really good character in both and they both have a real, you know, or if they don't necessarily both have a very strong driving force behind them, it's, it's definitely best to have, two that are evenly matched. I find, though, if, if the, the good guy in your story is so uber good, then sometimes it's fun to just have your your run-of-the-mill, I'll be bad for bad, right? <laughs> right. But but and, but and then that changes the tone of the story, too. Yeah, I mean, Certainly. If, if you don't have that, that taut, dynamic uh, tension between protag and antag, then it actually becomes a different kind of story. Uh, Certainly. Uh, which I think could actually be very interesting now that you bring it up. I think mm-hmm. that could be kind of fun to have to have uh, a protag who has all of that depth and substance and foundation and then have a, 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 a dare I use the word flaccid uh, antagonist is kind of flapping <laughs> in the breeze there. Uh, that's clearly not a tale of necessarily a classic tale of, of hero versus villain, but rather you know, that guy could be an exploration tale. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> let's uh, let's see who's next on the list here. We've got ah, Master Mike Cole, a uh, uh, two-time visitor to the Roundtable podcast. Uh, he's got, um, in fact, Fortress Frontier just came out from him. Yes, uh, and it's a wonderful book. Is it? Is it? Have you have you gotten through it all? I got through it in two days. Oh, dude, you can see it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I'm looking for. I, I got con- already finished Control Point, which you know months ago, back when it first came out. I'm looking forward to Fortress Frontier. Oh, and yeah. Let's see what he's got to say about the whole antagonist thing. Here we go. All right. My ideal antagonist is an ant who is a person whose argument makes sense. 
I hate antagonists or villains that are evil for the sake of being evil. Everyone thinks they are the good guy, especially the bad guy. And more importantly, the insanity defense where the antagonist is, is evil just because they're crazy doesn't hold water for me either. You have to make an argument. You have to explore the other side of that argument. And you have to be able to address the fact that sometimes there is no right answer. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Especially, mm -hmm. you know, and yes, he's absolutely right. That we, and we hear this time and again on the, on the round table. The antagonist has got to, has got to uh, believe that they're right. Uh, they've got to think they're the good guy in their own story. Um, and, I, and I think that's, I think that's profoundly important, but even more so uh, uh, is the insanity defense. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, we've had, we've had a couple of, of guest writers come on the show with an insane antagonist. Uh, uh, and, and I, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm really with Mike on this. Uh, uh, even the Joker had a reason, you know, Joker totally batshit crazy, but the dude had a reason. He had a goal. He had an agenda. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people forget that or overlook that. And without that, then, then it's, it, it really, it becomes a very shallow story that you cannot engage with because it's the driving force behind it is, is, is random. It's, it's unsubstantiated. It's, it, it's not driving to any specific goal. Does that make sense? The one thing that I found interesting with Mike's statement here is he, he specifically said antagonist or villain. Good point. And I, I tend to think of those as two different things, depending on the story in most, yes. in, in most stories, your antagonist is your villain. And that's that's a very common pairing, um, but I think with the Joker uh, in the uh, the most or in uh, the Dark Knight, I don't think the Joker was necessarily the antagonist. He was definitely the villain. Good point. But I don't think he was the antagonist. I think uh, if you, uh, I think it was Lou Anders that right. uh, broke that out, and uh, you know Harvey Dent is really your antagonist, and he definitely has a reason as to why he uh, is blocking. Our protagonist, which is Batman, and and won't step up and take Batman's place, um, and I think that that's a, a a key thing to remember. If you're going to have a villain that's insane just for the the point of being in insane, then you have to have a really really well reasoned antagonist in the story as well that the villain either supports or is uh, on a separate angle than than your antagonist. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And, and in fact, that, that's a really interesting point, Ben, because I hadn't considered the fact that the role of antagonist and the role of villain are not necessarily the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and just that level of, I will call it sophistication, uh, uh, that level of complexity, that level of nuance to contemporary storytelling where, you know, Holy crap, we had Lou on and we were talking about that very thing about the, the Harvey Dent being the antagonist of, of mm -hmm. Batman. And, you know, that kind of broadsided me. I think anybody, you know, most anybody that read that was equally broadsided by that observation. Uh, uh, and when you look at it and it's, and, it's, and it's explained to you, you get, oh, yeah, sure, got it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But none of us went there instinctively none of us looked at that and said no it's not the joker it's somebody else mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that that sophistication that that complexity of of storytelling i think is is becoming more and more common 
uh, in the marketplace. I think we're finding more layered, nuanced stories that are going to invite that kind of evaluation and assessment. And and I, for one, am really kind of pumped about that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it definitely, there's been a lot of, you know, in the past, you know, 50 years, you know, there's been a lot of, element, uh, sorry, there, there's been a lot of focus on making a twist in, in your storytelling, you know, yeah. and whether that's the twist at the end or, you know, um, twisting genre slightly some way. And I think that's uh, twisting the, and blurring the line or, or actually even more so pulling apart the line between antagonist and villain and so that you have two completely separate entities one is an antagonist and one is just a villain is something that is be, definitely people are looking into it a lot more often now um, yeah. but I think it's still wide open you know to wide open area to dive into and, absolutely and look at that yeah and 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 a challenge i think for any any young writer like myself young in the craft not not young of age uh, but uh you know you and i both ben are about the same spot in our in our development of our writing chops so that's mm-hmm. i think that's a real challenge for for us to look at that level of nuance definitely so let's let's move on. We've also got uh, and Ben, I must commend you. Not only did you get some 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 very cool authors in here, but you also went all over the the genre map because uh, our next up on our list is, is Carrie Harris, and she's a she's a YA author, right? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, bad taste in boys. Bad hair day. Uh, and coming up, she's got a story, Demon Derby where a cancer survivor becomes a demon-fighting roller derby girl. you got to love that. That's badass. You can't say no to roller derby. I mean, come on. Demon-fighting roller derby girl, no less. I want to hear what what Ms. Harris has to say about antagonists. Let's, let's, Let's check this out. All right. I would say that my ideal antagonist, well, of course they have to be unexpected. You can't be able to see them coming from a million miles away. However, it also needs to be someone who means something to the protagonist. If it's some total stranger you've never seen before, it's not going to have that same emotional impact. If it's someone that the antag- the protagonist has grown to know, love, care about in some way, and just as importantly, the reader cares about. That's the antagonist that will really turn a story on its heels. So it's something that I always work toward. And and that right there, that answer means I have got to read Ms. Harris's works now. Because <laughs> you know, she leads off with, of course, it has to be unexpected. And and my first thought is, wait, what? Of course it has to be? Good heavens, no. <laughs> uh, it doesn't. But what a wonderful concept that it is unexpected. And... and uh, to have the the antagonist sort of manifest and appear, that's that's kind of cool. I like that. And I, I do you think that's maybe like a YA thing, Ben, or is that just Carrie's way of doing it? Um, it might just be a YA thing. I haven't read a whole lot of YA myself, so I can't necessarily say that that's where it's come from. But I think you know, if we want to go back to the the Batman thing briefly. Um, Harvey Dent, as a, if you see him as an antagonist, he definitely came out of nowhere for Batman, right? There you because go. Batman thought he was on his side. Right. And so, you know, in that kind of uh, context, 
he certainly came out of nowhere, and there's a an emotional link there with Batman, right? Um, because he wanted Harvey Dent to step up and be the next guy because he thought he was good enough, right? Which brings so, you into that whole you know, means something to the protagonists level, exactly. Yeah, and to have that, to have that antagonist suddenly. Not suddenly. To, to yeah. have the antagonist uh, uh, appear, to be revealed through the course of the story. And, and like you and, and Ms. Harris are saying, uh, uh, you care. You're engaged mm-hmm. with. You're, you're, you, you feel compassion now for both your protag and your antag. And what a brilliant way to introduce that conflict. And I think that also branches from, you know, like we were talking earlier with the kind of trend of breaking apart your antagonist and your villain and so at first your protagonist and your antagonist could both be after your the villain in your book and then they part ways on how to go about taking down that villain there you go uh, and that you know leads into the larger story of the the contest between the protagonist and the antagonist yeah 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 and and let this be a lesson to everyone out there who who is inclined to be at all dismissive or oh it's just YA. All right, that's probably one of the more <laughs> sophisticated responses we got to that, and has really blown my mind in terms of what's possible for uh, the revelation and and utilization of the antagonist in the context of a story. So, yo, Carrie Harris, you are awesome, lady. Rock on. <laughs> Uh, and I will be reading uh, Demon Derby uh, uh, when it comes out. That's badass. Oh, I'm definitely going to be picking that one up. <laughs> That's all. We're all. There you go. We got two two dedicated Carrie Harris fans right here. <laughs> but now we've all seen way too much of our next interview, uh, Jim C. Hines. <laughs> we've all seen way too much of mr hines over the last recent months he's been waging a a, a campaign against the the uh, blatant sexuality of of women on the cover by substituting his own masculine self in those in those frames and wow what a what a brilliant statement that is author <laughs> of of libromancer uh the jig the goblin series the princess series and i i can you know this man obviously has a lighthearted look at the world, but I'll be curious to see what he's what he's got to say about the antagonist. Let's let's tune in here. The antagonist needs to make sense. They need to be more than just a cardboard sort of villain. You know, they need to have motivations. They need to have reasons for what they're doing. It's fine if you think this person is scum and must be destroyed and we will all cheer when they get flung down the elevator shaft at the end of book four. Oh, crap, can you delete that out? Because that's not... um, But you have to at least understand where they're coming from. And for me, if I can create an antagonist that... Yes, you're happy when the good guys win, but there's some part of you that... Aw some part of you that feels bad <laughs> then i figure okay i i have done good here sympathy for the devil baby <laughs> that's and I, I assume that's what he's advocating you know there's there's got to be that that 
now, actually, I guess there's a couple of ways to look at what he's saying there. On the one hand, it could be that the the the, the villain was such a wonderful villain that the byplay between uh, uh, the villain and his henchmen or whatever, that he just became such a robust character uh, mm-hmm. that you hate to see him exit the stage or her exit the stage or yeah. it exit or them exit the... T- <laughs> I'm just going to whip through every pronoun <laughs> in the book. Uh, all of or- them see, see it and exit the stage or... Is it? Are we referring more towards the again the sympathy for the devil? The the I can see where he's coming from because he's talking about it needs to make sense. The villain, the the antagonist needs to make sense. Needs to be comprehensible on the part of both. I assume the reader and maybe the protagonist. What what are you thinking, Ben? Yeah, I think it's it's you kind of have to have that interplay between both the the idea of Oh, I feel for this guy, and I, I see where he's coming from, but at the same time, kill the bastard. <laughs> Throw him down the elevator <laughs> you know? shaft. And, and it's really good to, to try and play up that, uh, you know, if you can in, in your writing, that's certainly something that you should look to do and, and make your antagonist, you know, somewhat endearing, um, you know, whether it's in their motivation or, you know, show them as, you know, someone who is, who can be kind in their own twisted, dark way. Um, sure. And, you know, but at the same time, you, when you're showing it, it, showing your story from the protagonist's point of view, you know, you're definitely going to want to make sure that guy's gone at the end of the story, you well, know? Now, let me ask you, Ben, are you, are, are you working with that at all in your superhero Western novel that you're working on? Well, I've definitely split out the uh, hero or the um, villain and antagonist. Oh, really? Uh, um, when we when we talked, um, I originally came to the table with a with a horse thief uh, right. as an antagonist. Right, right. And he's now shifted to be the villain, and uh, our antagonist is the um, creature that uh, we talked about that had wings, and so. Awesome. Uh, I've got that dichotomy running uh, between them. Okay, and and how you feeling about uh, uh, their as as antagonists and as villains, uh, uh, people's engagement with them? You think is, is was that a challenge for you to to take that attitude of make these guys, if not likable, certainly understandable? Has that been a challenge? Um, it's definitely. Uh, as far as the the villain character, uh, I'm not worrying about making him likable all that much. He's sort of uh, uh, the sacrificial lamb for the first book of the series, so that the antagonist can continue on in, in you know further further episodes that I'm I'm writing. Okay. Um, but uh, with the antagonist in this first episode, it's it's that I that I'm writing. It's hard to certainly hard to get the feeling across from myself uh, just because someone who is so deeply religious and at the same time has absolutely no problem with slavery, which, you know, they had, he had, you know, back in before the civil war happened. It's, you know, it's something that I'm having a problem relating to. And so I'm having a bit of a problem making him a little bit more, emotionally available, I guess, for the reader. Okay. 
Interesting. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe somebody else, as we as we work our way through this list, uh, will will have some some insights to help uh, unlock that particular nut uh, yeah. that, that that's in your way. Um, but that's cool. I'm 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 really looking forward to seeing your process on this, Ben. Uh, uh, and that's one of the cool things for me personally about the roundtable is just being able to be there at the beginning of a story and then stay in touch and stay connected with the writers as they go through and discover and evolve and explore uh, uh, these stories. So, so I appreciate you, you coming back around, Ben, and keeping us in the loop. Yeah, no problem. Uh, let's move forward. Let's see what Cat Howard has to say on the subject of antagonists. Cat's uh, uh, oh, she her fiction is everywhere. She's been yeah. in Lightspeed. She's been beneath ceaseless skies. Apex Magazine, Fantasy Magazine. Holy smokes! Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so yeah, let's let's see what Cat has to say about this. My ideal antagonist is someone who is very much aware that they are the hero of their own story. If we were telling this from the other perspective, they'd be the one winning. Um, And I want to make sure that I can convey that on my pages, that they are a full, complete character, um, that there is a certain degree of sympathy for them. Um, And my own personal quirk, I like them to have a good vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, who doesn't like a a villain to have, an antagonist to have a good vocabulary? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now, the, the notion of actually turning the story around and and having it be told from the villain's perspective that's not new it's not done often and i and i know she's not saying do that as the story itself but that the villain mm-hmm. the the antagonist should have enough depth and substance and apparently arc even uh yeah. in the context of the story that if you did turn that around that it would stand on its own and yes absolutely this, this the villain is the, the the antagonist is now the protagonist because that's the story that they believe they're telling now i wonder too uh what might where that might come from um is i i know she does a lot of short fiction work right um i i don't think she's got many uh many if any novels out and i wonder if maybe you know that kind of point of view of a villain really helps out when you're talking short fiction. Um, you know, it, it certainly, you need to keep it in mind when you're writing longer novels and whatnot, but sure. the actual, uh, interpolation of putting the villain right into that, uh, the other role when you're writing a, a short story might, uh, be a little bit more viable than, you know, trying to think of a whole novel from the villain's point of view. I could see that. I can see that. I, and, I, and I can also see, you know, the thing that's really catching in my mind is the notion of the villain having an arc uh, uh, and and going through their own transformation and their own evolution, uh, uh, whether it be an ascent or a descent. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I think more often than not with villain, with antagonists, it's a descent, but not always. You know, the redemption of... Uh, uh, the antagonist is not unheard of and, and actually I think would be a unique uh, a unique challenge to explore mm-hmm. in some way I don't know yeah, that's very certainly. cool thank you Kat very much now see so you got the wheels churning <laughs> this has been part one of two of the roundtable podcast wandering around in confusion 2013 We would like to extend our sincere thanks to the authors who generously shared their thoughts for this episode. Saladin Ahmed, Peter V. Brett, Mike Cole, Carrie Harris, 
Jim C. Hines and Cat Howard. Your insights provide us with new perspectives on our own literary endeavors, and we greatly appreciate your willingness to share those insights with us. We'd also like to extend a huge thank you to our wandering alchemist and my co-host for this episode, Ben Delano. This is just one of the many ways Ben has distinguished himself in the world, and we are so very grateful for his willingness to share his time and talent with us. Thanks, Ben. Part two of the Roundtable podcast, Wandering Around in Confusion, drops tomorrow with insights from Mary Robinette Kowal, Alistair Reynolds, Michael J. Sullivan, Sam Sykes, and Patrick S. Tomlinson. Don't miss it. Until then, thanks for tuning in.